Welcome to the Stop Ruining My Childhood podcast. A sometimes nostalgic, sometimes cynical look back at pop culture. Hey, join us as we revisit movies, cartoons, and live action TV of the 80s and 90s and ask the question, Does this hold up or did I just ruin my childhood? Hey, my name's Megan. And I'm Steve. And today we are doing Silver Spoons. Silver Spoons, the sitcom from the early to mid-1980s. Yep. Um, and Starring Ricky or Rick Schroeder, depending on how old you are. Right. At this time, he's still Ricky. He's still Ricky, yeah. He hasn't sure. hit he's, his um, NYPD yeah. no. blues Rick Schroeder phase. I'll be honest, Steve. He's always going to be Ricky Schroeder in my brain. <laughs> um, at any rate... Uh, we were going to do the Thanksgiving episode, but of course we're doing this a little bit later, so we decided to do the Christmas episode. From yes. The, from the first season, the best Christmas ever, and you can find it on YouTube, and we're also, because, because it was on YouTube, we're going to post it on our Facebook. Yeah. But before we get there, we have... Our non-sponsored snack review. All right. Now, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Uh, this originally, a while back, we were going to do Princess Bride, and it kind of didn't fit anywhere uh, just in our schedule because we had fan requests. Right. And we bumped it for some fan requests. That's true. So we're going to do it next season. Season two, Princess Bride. Season two, Bride. Princess Bride. But I had Ring Pop picked out. And then I thought Silver Spoons, Wealthy, Money, Jewelry ring pop okay the thing is i'm gonna be honest with you guys neither steve nor i is really excited about this because number one i bought this candy in the summer and i opened it up and it is a little bit melted <laughs> look yes it is secondly i thought it was strawberry but it's cherry which steve doesn't care for and it's sour which i don't care for <laughs> but look you could propose all over again yeah i could propose to you with a red ring do you remember the ads for these where I do not. the little kid would like propose? I always wanted somebody to do that. That wasn't these. That was lifesavers. No, it was it was. He would these. be like, I got you a ring. And they were lifesavers. No, and then and, she was like, ring pop! Oh, I lifesavers used to do one where the little kid would, would be like, I got you a ring. And he would give her a lifesaver. And she'd be like, oh. And then he'd be like, we can live with my mom. Oh. And they were like six. You don't remember that commercial? No, I don't. It was awesome. I just remember people proposing and then they opened it up and they were excited to see Ring Pop. Steve, if you had proposed to me and there was a Ring Pop, I would have laughed so hard. Well, I could take I liked your to... ring back. <laughs> no, I don't want my ring taken back, but I would have I would have thought that that was really funny. All right. Okay. It's not... All right. It's not as sour as I thought it was going to be. All right. So I'm going to taste it. You tell us a little bit about Ring Pops. Oh my gosh. I'm very excited. Okay. So here's the thing about Ring Pops. They came out in 1980. But we're going to take it back, Steve. All right? We're going to go in the Wayback Machine. The year was 1890. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the American Leaf Tobacco Company imported tobacco to the U.S. and sold it to other tobacco companies. And eventually, out of this company came... Tops, T O P P S. Okay, so the, the Tops, the the baseball the, card company, known for baseball cards. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So Tops itself technically founded in 1938, but it it traces its roots back to American Leaf Tobacco. So um, basically, American Leaf Tobacco during World War One was cut off from Turkish supplies of tobacco. And then the depression hit. And so the company had to like rethink things, right? Yeah. And they wanted to be tops in their field. Ah. And so they started to do chewing gum because the produce, 
they thought about produce. They thought about a couple of different things. Didn't not none of those worked. So they decided to do gum, and I did not know that Tops did bazooka bubble gum. But they and they would they would roll them flat as a stick and put them in with the baseball yep. cards. So you used to have gums like like bazooka was done in a small comic book. Remember it mm-hmm. came with like a little came comic. with a little comic wrapped around. Yep. And then they started doing trading cards featuring like western characters like Hopalong Cassidy and then in 1951 that's when they had the first baseball card set apparently 1951-1952 having said that so at that point they do these collectibles they do baseball cards they're still doing the chewing gum they decide to do some candy Mm -hmm. and eventually in 1980 they had these fruit-flavored lollipops from their bazooka part of their company, mm-hmm. Does the Candy. And it has, if you haven't seen it, it's got a little plastic ring. It that does. You and, um, and then it's like a lollipop on top. But basically, the history of this is kind of funny. They were invented in the late 70s. Um, Frank Richards was a product engineer for the Topps company, and his daughter kept sucking her thumb. Um. And he was like, she's too old for a pacifier, but I want to stop this thumb-sucking stuff. What if there was a candy that she could suck on instead? It looks kind of like a pacifier. It does, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so that is basically where they came up with Ring Pop. So the jewel is made out of hard candy like a lollipop. Um, the plastic disc can go around a kid's finger, not mine, because my fingers. It doesn't. No, it doesn't big. fit my fingers. Maybe uh, my pinky. And uh, sucking on the candy instead of sucking your thumb. But as we know, Steve, even though this fully launched in 1980, it was not the first wearable candy because we covered candy necklaces and the candy bracelet. That's which, true. And those were released in 1958. Yep. But yeah, um, it's a lollipop without a stick. A ring of flavor you can lick. That was the theme. That was the theme song. The words of the theme song. Okay. And um, yeah, there's a scene with two children, a boy and a girl, where the little boy is proposing to the girl with a ring pop, and that basically became their staple for their for their their history. And now ring pop. Before it was just cherry and grape, but now there's blue raspberry, strawberry, water lemon, watermelon, water lime. lemon. Yeah, water lemon. I transpose my letters. Watermelon, lime, apple, and sour green, sour cherry berry, which is the one we have. You know, different different variations like that. Um, and they also, in 2011, bring pop encrusted with Swarovski crystals and colored with Maverick Blue for the Dallas Mavericks for their winning of the 2011 NBA Finals. Okay. I don't know why. I don't know why that happened. Um, and fun fact, if you are Jewish and you keep kosher, this is one of the few kosher candies. Interesting. So you could have it for Hanukkah, presumably. Um, yeah. So those are some fun facts about Ring Pop. I used to like these. I thought, I always, like I said, I always thought the commercials were really cute. So I'm split in a few different ways. It's not a fast candy. Yes. A, yeah. it's not a fast candy, which you know. I also I, I, I got don't the... like things that I have to lick for a long time. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to believe. That. I don't. I don't like things that I have to lick for a long time. Yeah. Or wait for. But that being said, I do like that you can kind of play with it because it has the ring. So it has the fun factor. So that sort of helps me be a little patient. Mm-hmm. Um. And the taste, you did get cherry, which normally I really dislike fake cherry. Yeah, it has a good I like flavor. Resh, I, like re, I like real cherries, mm-hmm. like fresh cherries. I don't like fake cherry flavoring. But this tastes more like cherry Kool-Aid. Yeah, it really does. That's a good Instead of like it. chemically cherry. Well, and so, <laughs> okay. I know, but there's a difference. Uh, all right, okay. And so I don't dislike this that much. It actually reminds me of Kool-Aid. Okay. Um... So, yeah, so there's, so because of that, there's some ups and downs with the ring pop. Okay. So I am going to, I'm going to put it in, we're going to do spoons. Okay, for silver spoons. For silver spoons. It's a little on the nose, but that's all I right. know. Um, so I'm going to give it three and a half spoons out of five. Oh, that's, 
You're going to go three and a half? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to give it a four. I really like it. I mean, I really, my favorite, you know, I'm not a big fruit candy person. I really like chocolate more. But for a fruit candy, I quite enjoy it. And I do like the fun fact. I mean, it kind of could fit on my finger, maybe a little bit, like a pinky finger. Mm-hmm. And if I um, weren't worried about my teeth, I would. <laughs> I would chow down on it. Yeah, I kind of, I really liked it. I liked it a lot more than I thought I would, despite the fact it's slightly melted. Okay. So. So. Three and three quarters spoon out of five. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how that works. Three and three quarters spoons for the ring pop. That's not bad. No, it's not too bad. All right, so Steve, can you let's get into let's get into silver spoons. Okay, so that the were, she can't get at it. The the premise of silver spoons is that Ricky has come to live with his dad, Edward. Edward is um, very rich. He's very wealthy. He runs a toy company. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it is Edward Stratton. Yes. The third. Um, well, his son Ricky Stratton comes to live with him. Ricky is a product of uh, of a marriage a number of years earlier. Um, Edward was married once before briefly, and he was unaware that Ricky existed. Okay. Right, until right as the show starts. Oh, okay. And so Ricky comes to live with him, and Ricky, of course, is not used to like being rich. So we get to see kind of the luxury and lavishness of Edward's lifestyle kind of through Ricky's eyes. Yeah, and also that Ricky is supposed to be a little more serious, right? And Edward is supposed to be more like a child. (laughs) Yeah, Edward is like a playboy kind of. Right. Right, he has this girlfriend, um, Kate, who... uh, Is also his secretary. Is kind of his secretary, but it's his girlfriend. Um, Also, he has like his lawyer... Um, and later business manager around him mm-hmm. um, who are kind of kind of play the straight man to Edward because he is kind of like a large kid. He's got like a toy train that you can ride that goes through his house. Like he always has like pinball machines and stuff in his home yeah. because he is very, he's from a wealthiest family and he's wealthy, but at the same time he makes toys, right? Right. And so he's kind of like a kid at heart. Um, and so... We see the dynamic between Ricky and his dad, as well as Kate, who's kind of a mom figure in a little way. She's like a mom slash caretaker a little bit for Ricky. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, that kind of it's like almost a nanny, but not quite. Yeah, like, kind of like almost a good like a like a best friend, like a you know babysitter almost yeah, kind of. But yeah. it's interesting. And then in the early episodes, of course, uh, we had mentioned before. That his best friend in the early episodes is played by Jason, Jason Bateman, who we don't see in this one. Who was not in this episode, even though it was first season. In the later seasons, Jason Bateman it leaves the show, and they bring in Alfonso Ribeiro. So a lot of people know Jason Bateman now from like Arrested Development and Ozarks, but we're well, we'll get into it when mm-hmm. we get into history. So do, should we just kind of transition into that? Just on that, yeah. Switch so. Over. So Jason Bateman um, has talked about this before, and I think really interestingly on Dax Shepard's podcast, um, that and also Conan O'Brien's, that he um, had a pretty good name going for himself in Hollywood. He came off, of, he didn't talk about Little House on the Prairie, mm-hmm. but he was like an adopted kid in one of the later seasons of right. Little House. And then he did this, and then he went from this to Valerie, which was then renamed the Hogan, Hogan Family. family yep. And then he did Teen Wolf 2, and that's kind of where it gotcha. started. So the problem was that, um, this is what he said, that Dax Shepard was like, you know, I always wanted to be you. I saw you on Silver Spoons, and I thought you were so cool. And, and I, I thought, like, oh, I want to be an actor like that and have, like, people know who I am. And Jason Bateman was like, the thing is, to a certain point, when he became an older teenager, having people know who knew who he was was a detriment. Right, because right? they kind of typecast and it, Yeah, him, right? and then he kind of had to rebuild his career, and now he's, you know, done great directing and things like that. Alfonso Riverio, most people know from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Right, he played Carlton. But I know him 
from the Food Network show. Unwrapped. Unwrapped. <laughs> I mean, I know him obviously from Fresh Prince, but he's great on Unwrapped. <laughs> I think he would have been great hosting Jeopardy. Like he has that kind of personality. He's just an. He just seems like a, just a nice guy mm-hmm. who just wants to work and you know and go home to his wife and have a nice yeah. plate of spaghetti or whatever you know. Yeah. Um. So, but we basically the it's interesting how this this show started. Because they kind of conceived of it at first. Did you ever see the movie Arthur? Yes. So it's like a rich playboy. I mean, he's an alcoholic, but if you saw it as a kid, you might not like know yeah, that. Yeah, Arthur was sort of sad because he's a rich playboy, but he's an alcoholic. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, but Dudley Moore is in that, and Liza Minnelli, who I didn't realize until I was an adult that she's like a prostitute in that movie, I think. Yeah, kind of. I yeah. didn't realize. But at any rate, um, yeah, they wanted kind of a series based on the hit film Arthur, but without the alcoholism. And as they were talking about this, it eventually morphed into this thing where Edward Stratton III um, is like a, you know, playboy. But they also were looking for a vehicle for Ricky Schroeder because he was under contract to NBC. And I found this great this great set of articles where all of these people... Um, all of these television critics were like, finally, they gave this kid a vehicle. Like, meet Rick Schroeder, Ricky Schroeder, Silver Spoon's shining star. Um, they really believed in his talent, basically. What had he been in earlier that they got he, that he got contracted he, by NBC? He did, like, some miniseries. Okay, first of all, he did the miniseries Little, Little Lord Fauntleroy, which just makes me laugh so hard. And I have never seen that, but my mom used to tell me she wouldn't cut my hair. I wanted a bob haircut, and she said, no, you look like the Dutch paint boy or little Lord Fauntleroy. I did not know what... You didn't know what that was. That was. She should have just said, you look like Ricky Schroeder. She should have, yeah. And sometimes she said Prince Valiant, who I did know because they were in the Sunday comics. Right. Um, But uh, at any rate, it wasn't good. (laughs) So he did Little Lord, Lord Fauntleroy, and I guess he got really noticed from that. And um, apparently, though, he had been starting out as a really young child star, like in diaper commercials and stuff. Um, before doing Silver Spoons, he had already done four movies, countless television appearances, 63 commercials. So he was working hard. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, 63 commercials, that's crazy to me. That's just, that's just crazy. Um, that's a lot of commercial work, you know? Um, and start starting when you're in diapers, especially. So, yeah, they just believed in him. They wanted a vehicle for him. So, if you notice, Steve, when we saw the credits, um, the credits, when the credits go, he's listed first. And then the woman who plays Kate, and then the guy who plays Leonard, and then the guy who plays the dad. Yes. So it's kind of interesting to me, you know, the way that they did that. Because a lot of times in the 80s, even if shows were kind of built around the kids, the parents would get the top billing because they're older. Yeah. And they're more established. Is it just me or... And I I forgot that I felt this way Mm -hmm. until we we just watched the episode of Silver Spoons. It's... I mean, I used to watch Silver Spoons all the time as a kid. We'll get into that a little bit later, mm-hmm. right? Um, but Aaron Gray, who plays Kate, yeah, the dad's girlfriend, is a knockout. Yeah, and I remember. So, but not like we'll get into not like a like voom 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 kind of no, like, she's like sex pot knockout. She's just like down to earth, very pretty. Well, I don't know if you ever saw this show, but right before this, she did Buck Rogers in the 25th. That's where she, yes, she was in Buck Rogers. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that also is formed really... my childhood. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, she was in that from 79 to 81. And she was a little bit of a sex pot in that. Not, well, not she's probably really. A tiny she bit played younger. like, uh, you know, she played like a, a woman like fighter but at the same time yeah she's even beautiful now to be honest she's got gray hair but she looks pretty much the same you know yeah i mean 
for the fact that she was born in 1950. She's a beautiful lady. Yes. Um, so, so we have, yeah, so we have Aaron Gray, we have Rick, Ricky or Rick Schroeder on IMDb is still listed as Ricky. I guess the name change didn't take. Um, and then we have Joel Higgins as Edward Stratton III. Now here's what's interesting to me is that he had a really varied career and, um, he did like some indie films. He did Broadway and he also wrote jingles. Oh, okay. Including after he did this show, he wrote jingles for Kool-Aid, for M&M's, and he did the, the, the theme song for a number of shows, not this one, yeah. but a number of other shows, including the reboot that uh, Lucy tried to get going. Um, like, I Love Lucy. Yeah. She tried to have like a re, like, she did a number of shows and yeah. she tried to like, and it didn't go very well, but he did the music for that. Okay. So it's just kind of interesting. Uh, yeah, it's just kind of interesting to me. But the show was um, co-created by somebody who also co-created a number of other shows. And that was Martin Cohen. So Martin Cohen is also known, especially for Who's the Boss. Oh, okay. But they did a few other things as well. Um, and he wrote for sitcoms before, like, creating and running them. All right, so he kind of came up through the sitcom. Yeah, I mean, he wrote for the Bob Newhart show. He wrote for Mary Tyler Moore, The Odd Couple, All in the Family. So he had some chops, right? Um, also was a co-producer on Different Strokes. Um, and then did this show and then Who's the Boss, which is probably more well-known than this show. But um, I just told a colleague we were doing this and she was like, I love that show as a kid. Like, I think, like, kids really liked it. Mm. You know, there's something about it that just that just spoke to kids a lot. I love the, that it opened on the mansion mm -hmm. that they had, which was hilarious. And now that mansion is actually in England. Yeah. It's in Warwickshire, Eng Warwickshire, England, which I thought was really interesting because it's a Tudor-style mansion that was built in 1481. That's interesting, and so I, that's I'm a glad you shared that. I mean, that mansion was 500 years old when they used it for this. Yeah, which is kind of neat. Which also gives it that grand feel, though, that yes. they're going for. And you can find some houses like that in the U.S., but not not many, and certainly not many where they'd allow you to film on the property to at least right, get the outside right. shots, yes. right? Yeah, the outside shots, um, yeah. So the other, uh, one of the other co-producers co uh, and co-creators was Howard Leeds. He had worked on The Brady Bunch and uh did television series for norman lear and he also co-created the facts of life and the show we watched last time small wonder okay well they're not all they're, they're not all winners you know listen they're not all they can't all be hit actually small wonder didn't do that badly it's just not a great show they can't all be tens you know that's true and uh then we also have ben Starr who was a playwright and he also developed the facts of life um and our man flint a show that i don't remember <laughs> so. i'm gonna say this howard Leeds might have been connected to small wonder but at least he had nothing to do with star wars holiday special that's true steve that's a good point and uh the third guy i just mentioned um ben Starr, he came up through through hollywood as well writing he wrote for Dobie Gillis, The Andy Griffith Show, Maud, Petticoat Junction, Mr. Ed, and then, of course, then developed Facts of Life and Silver Spoons. So my point here is th there was a lot of power behind this show. Yeah, those three guys in like, particular had a lot of experience. A lot of experience mm. with writing. You would have thought that Small Wonder would be better. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, a lot of experience with writing. So... Um, so when we come back, mm -hmm. we're going to talk about our memories of the show, or lack thereof, or very fuzzy <laughs> memories, mm. and then we'll get into our full review and recap. All right. Glad you didn't change the station in the 10 seconds of music that I just played. That's true. <laughs> I'm Megan. And I'm Steve. We just like to remind you who we are. In case this is your first time listening to us, 
And episode 48? Yeah. <laughs> well, people pick it up every week. That's true. Every week we get new listeners. Oh, also, Steve, before we get into our memories, I want to say that at the time of this, uh, as this is coming out, we have hit 15,000 downloads. Awesome. That's amazing because initially when we... St- well, first of all, our first four episodes had like five hits. Five or six <laughs> five downloads. Five or six downloads per episode. And then we picked up Steam and based on our initial numbers, I thought we would maybe hit 8,000 by Christmas. So we've kind of like almost doubled what I thought we would have. I look back at those early episodes and I'm like, it's like it's a whole, a whole different person. It is we totally so different. We were so and now I'm a star. Yeah. Aren't really? A star is born. I mean, we didn't have a format at that point. That's the only thing. And we didn't... <laughs> Steve just ran his finger down my nose. <laughs> like I'm Lady Gaga in a star is born. Oh my goodness. That's hilarious. Um, okay, so... What are your memories of Silver Spoon? All right, so I watched this quite a bit as a kid. Um, and now that I think about it, I thought I was like, oh, I watched this for like, you know, a long time. And I watched it probably as it came out. And I did not. Because it was on from 82 to 86. Yeah. It was on five seasons. The last season, it was in full syndication. So I was going to say that, too. I forgot to mention that in the fun yeah, fact. There's 116 episodes. Yeah. I watched it, but I watched it fairly religiously on weeknights it was on like yeah. 6 or 6 30 like dinner time so, you think you saw so it was in syndication yeah i it might have been that fifth season the like fifth... 1986 i would have been nine so just to explain the fifth season they did first run syndication yes which they had also done with small wonder around that same time or just before meaning that the network dropped it they believed in the show enough, and enough affiliates said, yes, we'll buy it from you. And, and take so the fifth season. The fifth season yeah. was in full syndication yeah. right off the bat. But by the third by the third season, NBC, who owned it, mm-hmm. was already putting it... They were already showing the earlier rerun. seasons on rerun, that basically. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so I'm pretty sure I saw it in... it not Maybe not syndication, but at least rerun. Mm-hmm. Because they were doing it like... You know, I think what they would do is they would show it during the weekdays, and then it was a weekend show. Its yes. first two seasons, Silver Spoon was on Saturday night, yep. and then seasons three, four, five, well, seasons three and four, it was on Sunday. Five, as we said, was in syndication, so it depended on what network it was on. Right. Yeah, I remember watching it Saturdays, but I was really, really young when it came out, so again, I think it's very vague. So it's really fuzzy for me. Yeah. I remember that they were rich. I remember that I thought the train was cool. I remember the song. Well, you would have only been three on the first season. Yeah, but so by the no time it was been... 87, yeah. I mean, I would have remembered by then, you mm-hmm. know, 86, 87. Um, but yeah, I, even so, I don't know then because by the time I would have been old enough to remember it was in syndication. That's my point. So I don't, I don't really remember it too well and I don't remember it watching like all that often yeah. or being obsessed with it or anything like that. I think probably too... <laughs> This is very telling. There are other shows. I mean, it's a boy show Mm -hmm. starring a boy, not a girl. Right. But also this boy in particular, not my type even then. (laughs) So I wouldn't have been interested in really watching it as much. Ricky Schroeder was not a heartthrob for you? No, I'm not. (laughs) This is going to sound so bad. I should edit this out. I'm not into blondes. Wow. <laughs> I've never dated I've never dated a blonde guy. I kissed a blonde guy one time. One one blonde guy I kissed. Now things are getting steamy talk. <laughs> yeah. I'm an equal opportunity dater. Yeah, okay. Not now, because it's just Megan. Yeah, now I married a redhead, but That's before right. that That's that was right. a mistake. No, <laughs> Ricky Ricky Schroeder's just I don't it's not it's not it's just he's just not my type. He's like a you know, he's just not my type. Um, I like burly, ma- manly men like you. Okay, that's it. Well, with full beard. One of the things. seven. No, one of the joking. things that my memories that I liked about this show, even as a kid. Yeah. And like I said, I would have been young, nine, ten, maybe eleven. But the cast has really good chemistry. 
Yeah, they really do. Joel Higgins is Edward the dad. Aaron mm-hmm. Gray. The two of them have very good chemistry. Yeah. Like as boyfriend-girlfriend kind of thing. But also, both of them have good chemistry with Ricky Schroeder. Yeah, and he actually is, for a kid actor, um, he he can carry it. Yes. And I think that that's probably one of the reasons they wanted to work with him. Yeah. Because he does, he does have the presence. It's not just acting chops because there are kids that can act, but they don't always have the presence to carry the room. And he's in pretty much every scene. But unlike, unlike small wonder where the kids kind of had to carry it, yeah, because the parents though. were not great actors, no. and even the kids were not strong. But that's kind of how they were setting up and writing it. Yeah. Here, I mean, Ricky, Ricky is the main character, kind of, because you're going to see things through his eyes a little bit. Yep. But it's really, it's really a trinity. Joel Higgins and Aaron Gray carry just as much the load, I think, and they're very, you know, Aaron Gray as we mentioned before, had already acted in things. Uh-huh. She was used to being in numerous seasons of Buck Rogers, where Buck Rogers is the, the the character that the show's named after. He's the main guy. But again, she carries and supports quite a bit in that show. Yeah, and um, my memory of Aaron Gray, and then we can get into our full thing, mm-hmm. right? My memory of Aaron Gray is, I remembered that she was on the show, but I really remembered her as being... The one who did it in an episode of Murder, She Wrote. (laughs) Oh. Because, I'll tell you why. So, we, you know, you would tape things off of TV and we had this tape called Kids Christmas Shows. So it does tie into Christmas. That's why I bring it up. Okay. So it had Muppet Family Christmas on it and then like all the Rankin Bass and like it Mm -hmm. was like an eight hour tape that we had compiled. But before Muppet Family Christmas, the beginning of the tape was the last, like, six minutes of Murder, She Wrote, where it's revealed that Aaron, right. That Aaron Gray is That the, Aaron Gray is the murderess and why she did it. And she, she stole a tiara and her boss caught her and she accidentally killed him while trying to get the tiara out of his hands. And so we would have watched this every year before the kids. And I don't know why we didn't just fast forward it, but it was like part of the whole thing. Like when you watch something like that, eventually you want to see like the commercials and the, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, so that's, that's weirdly where I know her from. But um yeah, so let's let's talk about this because I enjoyed this more than I thought I would, actually. Okay. So we open with the opening theme song. Yep, this is the best Christmas ever is the name of the episode, as you mentioned a little bit earlier. Yep. Right? It's from nineteen eighty two, the first season. We open with the, we open up with the theme song and then it starts our opening scene is Ricky and Kate decorating for Christmas. Yeah, and um just to give you guys a little bit of background uh, they change some characters in the second season yeah. of this show. We went and watched the opening thing of a different season. And it's the same thing just with that part taken out. Like, they didn't even reshoot a new opening, yeah. which I just find funny. You know what it reminded me of? Yeah? Was the opening to... um, What was that camp show you used to like? Yeah, that's what I thought, too. That we did. Yeah, we did uh, Camp on Awanda. Camp on Awanda. Yeah. Salute your shorts. Salute your shorts. Remember, they had some cast changes, and they shot it almost shot for shot, but just replaced the people. Yeah, they did. Except you could... What was funny is that they did... They redid it, but it was shot for shot, but the one person who was off-key was still off-key. Yes. And they were trying. Yeah. Like, they weren't off-key on purpose. But yeah, that's kind of funny. So they're trimming the Christmas tree. Now, here's my first issue with this show. And this is not the only show that's done this, okay? Mm-hmm. I never understand why in TV and movies people are putting up their Christmas decorations on Christmas. Yeah, I don't get Who that does? either. We never did that. And we always put it up at least at least two weeks, sometimes more, so you can enjoy this stuff. Because you don't leave it up a lot yeah, we, after Christmas. Now, we don't because we have company here. Yeah. But growing up, Friday after Thanksgiving, 
Like the, Black Friday? The pilgrims come down really? and Santa comes up. You guys up. don't play games, No, huh? we don't play. Well, because, okay, so as Lutherans, so I grew, I grew up Lutheran, Advent. That's tragic. Stop it. <laughs> Lutherans are full of grace and Garrison Keillor jokes and good casseroles. But at any rate, um, the Advent is like a 30-day thing. Right. So Advent really starts quite quite quickly. And we would have an Advent reef. We did devotionals. And we would put out we would put out the manger scene, the crash. Yeah. But I would put... I would hide baby Jesus sometimes. And I would put the wise men really far away. And then each day I would move them closer. <laughs> and I want to be clear that this is not something that my mom did. This was Megan like, hey, we have to do this the right way. Nobody's in the manger yet. Like, come on. The shepherds so can be there. They didn't get to be in the manger until like the day no. before Christmas? Uh, I think I gave up per- probably before then. Or my mom was like, why are all my figurines all over the living yeah. room? But I had them on a slow march toward Nazareth. <laughs> just like in the real story. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I don't get that part. But at any rate, they have a few good gags here. Mm-hmm. They're talking about how it's Ricky's first um, Christmas with his dad. Because yep. they've just been reunited. And... Kate says, yeah, he's just a little excited. And Ricky's like, really? And then she brings out this huge stocking. That's yeah, like the stocking says than... Ricky is like bigger than him. Yeah, it's like six feet tall. And that was kind of a nice sight gag. I don't know if this was filmed before a live studio audience or not. I tried to look it up. I didn't come up with an answer. It? Okay. The other thing about this show, it drove me crazy. That that if it's the audience or a laugh track, I don't know. Too much or too, way too much. That was an '80s thing, though, too. Yeah. What I'll say is that I like this this first scene. Um, Ricky also tells her about the pen he got his dad, mm-hmm. which has a clock on it. It has a re- microphone recorder. It has like. Um, a bunch of all these things that this pen does. It's like digital. It's like the best pen in the world. It's like a smartphone. Yeah, and then she was like, does it write? And he was like, and he just blank stares. And he <laughs> yeah. goes, I didn't check. And she's like, I'm sure it does. <laughs> so while you were while you're explaining, I just looked it up. And there's a guy in a forum saying that on a school, they had a school field trip. Mm-hmm. Lived in California. They had a school field trip to watch a taping of silver spoons. So it was in front of a live studio audience. Yeah, I guess. Interesting. They they must so I've been to a live studio audience mm-hmm. show before. Um I went to see the Drew Carey show right before I mean that was one of the last ones that had this format. Yes. And um they do have a warm up guy first, but they also have signs for you to clap or laugh or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean you're supposed to kind of do it naturally, but they do have a sign to prompt you. Right. And I th- that's very clear in this episode because the clapping is excessive. Yeah. Um but yeah, the candied the candied oysters from the grandpa. Yeah, his grandpa sent a basket and of course his grandfather his grandfather's in some other episodes. His grandfather unlike the dad is really stuffy and co- sort of like, you know, representative of old money yeah and so well that's the name of the show right born with a silver right spoon right in and so and so he was like you know oh grandfather sent a card and it was like best wishes richard <laughs> <Yeah>. grandfather <laughs> and then he sends a basket of like fruit and crackers and like candied oysters yeah which i just think is hilarious and then she says something like well last year it was chocolate covered snails and yes. you're like oh Oh gosh. Um so it's a great little intro there um to that whole that whole situation. Um Then we have the entrance of Joey. Yes, we have a, a knock on the door. Mm-hmm. And that's important because the door knocks. Ricky goes to answer and I had forgotten this, but they have a remote control door. They also have a special doorbell that plays a, a song which yes. was unusual at unusual that time. at the time but they have a, it looks like a tv remote control yeah that he grabs and clicks it and it opens their front door for him which now i'm looking at it, i'm like that's an interesting gag but i remember as a kid thinking that was the coolest thing ever yeah okay now i want to say 
Joey Lawrence is playing Joey in this, okay? He He's also, gotta be like six. He also played Joey in Call Me Cat. He played Joe in Melissa and Joey. He played Joe in Brotherly Love. And he played Joey in Blossom. <laughs> like, yeah, he doesn't cool. really have a long range. He no. just, you know, it's easier just to call him by his normal name. I know, they just were like, what should we call him? Yeah, Joey's fine. I mean, they oh, call Ricky Schroeder in- Ricky, right? Yeah, that's true. Is this a thing where they felt like it was easier for kid actors just to call him by their regular name? Maybe. I don't know. I just find that hilarious. But he's like maybe about six here. He's yeah, at the at the most. At the most, and he's like, "Hey, I'm looking for odd jobs to do to to make some money." Yeah, to to get his mom a Christmas present. Yeah, which is so sad. Which is kind of sad. It like reminds me of the Christmas shoes song. Yeah. Oh, don't. I hate that song. I know, song. and it just made me sad. It's my most unfavorite Christmas well, song. It's interesting because Ricky. Ricky does not react to him like kind of like as a jerk or, or as some kids might. We've yeah. seen other 80s and 90s sitcoms where the kids have been kind of jerks. Yeah. And he doesn't react that way, which I really like. No, he acts like he's a little bit older than this kid and the kid calls him Mr. and mm-hmm. he's okay with that. But I really like that too. And I think, again, you know, to compare it to... To compare it to Small Wonder, because, you know, we just watched that a couple weeks ago. Those kids were were talking smart alecky right. and mean all the time. Yeah. And here we have a kid who's genuinely just nice. He's just a yeah. nice kid. Now, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think Jason Bateman plays, like, the foil to that. Okay, I think he's, he's kind of the sarcastic. the spoiled yeah. rich kid. But again, Ricky's not supposed to have grown up with this right. money. He just kind of came into it. So um, my only one line that I hated, the kid is like, whoa, is this the White House? And Ricky's like, no, I live here. Come on in. It's cold out there. And Joey goes, you ain't just whistling Dixie, mister. I'm like, is Joey a six-year-old who was born in the 30s? I know, right? What is that? Again, like, that's not how kids talk. That was the only line that stuck out, though, which is good. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I just thought that was funny. So he wants to do a job for a dollar. Ricky's like, I don't really have any jobs, but you can help me hang ornaments. So he hangs an ornament, and then Ricky gives him a $20 bill that his grandfather had sent him for Christmas. Yeah, because he doesn't need the 20 No, right? and, and he, it's a good thought. It was very and he te- selfless of him. Yep, and he tells the kid to go and get his mom something nice for Christmas. Um, then the audience laughs at everything the kid says. The kid leaves. And he says, I just imagined what would Derek do in this situation. I think that's the Jason Bateman character. Right. And did the opposite. Then Edward comes in and you can see the childlike demeanor that they're trying to build with him. Right? Yeah. Edward comes in singing carols. Yeah. And then his assistant? His lawyer, Len. Oh, okay. So I was like, butler, question mark? No, it's his lawyer. Assistant, question He's playing the drums for a little bit, and he's like, come on, Len, loosen up. And then Len starts singing, I got the world on a string, sitting on a rainbow. And that's not a Christmas song. No. Um, also, it was a, it was weird. Yeah. The way that they had him do that to me, it, I don't know, it, it seemed a little racist. Like, it was like... I got that feeling too. Like he was pantomiming. He was almost pantomiming, like yeah. a like a forties jazz singer. Yeah. But maybe it was different in the eighties. Maybe I, I, I don't, don't know. know. And also, it's not like if if Edward had been pantomiming, I would have been like, "Wow, that's really racist." I, I guess it's just the way that it was set up, and that it seems like he's trying to. Like, snap to it, do it, this guy. I don't know. Right. I, that made me... Uh, it was an uncomfortable moment. But then they kind of moved past that, and we're back into the Christmas spirit. We're lighting the tree, which is, like, a big event. Kate and Leonard gave each other fruitcakes. Yeah, Kate and Leonard gave each other fruitcakes, which I guess is, is, is a gag even in the that. 80s. But um, I love that detail. Yeah. I miss fruitcakes. I love fruitcakes. Edward cake. mentions to Kate that... He's excited that he got Ricky, like, a remote control dune buggy. Okay, now, 
What did you picture when he said I that? I thought it was like a go-kart that they could ride in. Like, remember when we saw the... What we watched... Because he doesn't say remote control. I added that. Yeah. Remember when we watched the A-Team and they were in the dune buggy? Yes. I thought it was going to be like I that. I did, too. And I wouldn't have thought that normally, but because they're rich and they have all this luxury... Right. I assumed he bought him that. Yeah. But it come to find out it is a remote control car, but still, it's kind of neat. Also, so, it hasn't come up yet that he... Uh, owns a, owns a toy factory, and I did the research after we watched the show. So my notes are like strain of consciousness, motorized dune buggy. That sounds awesome. How this guy get his money? Why does he have so much money? Was he just born into it? Like it's right. like all these questions I had. I love too that the train that goes from the living room to the outside that he rides on because he's such a child. Yes, it's all decked out for Christmas. Yeah, I yeah. love it. Um, there's a few things too, you know, Kate is not staying with them. She's going home to Ohio, Mm -hmm. Sandusky for, and I wasn't sure. I thought that they had like a, will they, won't they thing going on, but they're full on. They're full on together. Yeah. I don't think so. I, I don't recall the, like the pilot and stuff, but I think, I think they were either, Will they, won't they for maybe just a few episodes? Oh, or okay. when Ricky comes into the situation, he has a girlfriend already. Okay. Right? Which makes things weirder, too, because he's like, oh, this yeah. is my son. Right? Right, right. Um, But, yeah, so this is the thing. Like, she has to go, so she says goodbye to everybody. There's lots of kissing between Kate and Edward. Listen, they have an appropriate amount of mistletoe. There's like three or four mistletoes on the way out the door. We should have that much mistletoe at our house. There's a lot of kissing. And normally I'm like, this is awkward and I don't care for this. But. They have great chemistry. They have good chemistry. Mm -hmm. Um, Edward is likable. Mm -hmm. And Kate is a smoke show. So I was like, okay. I'm gonna allow it. Well, also they're doing it in a funny way. Yeah, because he's like, oh, mistletoe. But it wasn't like. But the kiss was legit. It wasn't like an oh, awkward no. kiss. They went for it big time. These two are not holding anything back. My notes, I put ooh la la. I guess they're together. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, Len and Edward ride out on the Christmas theme train. Ricky goes to take some presents away. And then everybody's silent in the studio audience because Joey comes back in. But he has the 20 with him. And he leaves the 20, but he does take the basket of weird yeah. food. Now, I wasn't sure about this. At first, I'm like, oh, it's he. It's, he's a grifter. Mm-mm. Like, he came in asking for the the money for his, for his mom... Yeah. And he was casing the joint. Well... So now he's coming in to rob them is what I thought initially. I thought initially that he was an orphan child. But I was like, if this were season five, I would have bought that more. Because that's when they start doing crazy, like, let's adopt another kid. He was an orphan and he's out on the street. So the kid takes the food. (laughs) This is the part I did... I, I will say, too... The dialogue was pretty good. I had some laughs here and there, like even though it's from the 80s. Mm-hmm. I thought the dialogue held up pretty well, other than that one line I mentioned. But we go and Ricky follows him into into a cave. He takes the food back to a cave <laughs> where his mom and dad and him are living in a cave. It's snowing, but they have a blade. I'm sorry. I know that there are this problems. This is sad, it's Megan, so and you're laughing at it. Because it's the fakest looking cave. That's why I'm laughing. And they have like a yellow blanket for a door and fake wind. And it just looks silly. It just looks silly. But they silly. have like a table and chairs in the cave. Yeah, which is hilarious. And like a, like a couch or like a, a chair. Yeah. They, um, have a, they have like a lazy boy chair in the middle of this cave. Yeah. And a rug. And, uh, and then he comes in and the mom goes, tap, don't forget to tap your shoes off, tap the dirt off your shoes. And the dad goes, yeah, we want to get the floor of this nice cave. Yeah. So you're like, what's going on? And you find out through dialogue that the dad was laid off from a factory job and they lost their house to the bank. So they're living in this cave. Well, because they were on their way to Denver, but then the truck... Right, the down. truck broke down so, near the cave, so they just moved so in because of the winter. He lost his job, the banks took their house, the truck broke down, and now they're kind of stuck. And also, 
Um, I will say, well, first I was surprised that the parents were still alive because I really did think this kid might be an orphan. Second, though, the steel mill, I mean, that is, that did happen. Yeah. There, there are a lot of industrial jobs moved out of the country. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, a lot of people were put out of work or had to find different types of work. You know, that kind of thing. They're also, they're trying to get to church for Christmas. Yeah, they head out of the cave. Ricky leaves because they're leaving. And this is, now, I'm biased because I'm a pastor, okay? But if you're living in a cave, don't feel pressured to go to church. But they want to go to church. It's Christmas. I know. And I like and that. But at the same too, time, I'm like, but well, it's be, probably warmer it than being warmer. in the church, than being in the cave. But they leave, so they come back from church yeah. to find Ricky has set up. Oh. He's taken the Christmas tree from his house and set it up for them. And we should explain that the kid was asking about Santa Claus. Yeah, and the dad said, well, we didn't get to leave Santa a, a new address so he probably isn't coming for you this yeah, year. So sad. So sad. This was such a. Sa- I, I thought also this was going to be. I thought this was going to be a sitcom and make me laugh a lot. Yeah. Which it had some funny pieces, but it was really. And then sad. you learned a lesson, which is a very eighties sitcom really thing. It was really sad. Yeah. Well, we didn't watch the Bicycle Man episode of Different Strokes. Just be happy. Yeah, for that. that's true. So, at any rate, is it was it Different Strokes? Am I right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, at any rate. The Ricky, yeah, Ricky was over overhearing what was going on, um, and they. Now here is also somehow he turns on the lights. Yeah, he he ran electricity, <laughs> he ran electricity into, the into the cave. The whole thing lights up. Um, there's trees and lights and garland and all this stuff, and the little kid says, "Oh, I should call you Santa Claus because that's who you are, as far as I'm concerned." And Ricky's like, I'm not Santa Claus, but maybe, but I sent him a telegram and maybe he could get here on time. And then Edward comes in dressed as Santa Claus. Yeah. And you realize he's told his dad the whole thing. Yeah. And they give Which is so their sweet. presents to the family. Yeah. So the, 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 uh, the kid, this, this line did make me laugh. The kid was like, Santa goes, have you been a good boy this year? And he goes, oh yes, Santa, I have. Except for that time I shaved the neighbor's dog. Yeah. Which is such a six-year-old boy thing to do in, yeah. in the 1980s especially. And I noticed when, he's tell, when he says this, he's missing a tooth. Yeah, he's so So cute. he's definitely in that age group, that age of when they're baby Yeah, teeth. he was. I think he was born in 76, Joey Lawrence. I think he's a yeah, couple years. so he would yeah. be six, yeah. Yeah, so he'd be six. So, um, so Joey gets the dune buggy, which is basically a remote control car. Yep. Little electric remote control car. Um, Jack gets the pen with the computer game on it and it reads him the time out loud. Yeah. Again, this is like a smartwatch or something. It's like kind of advanced. Yeah. It's supposed to be like, what, what could money buy, you know? And then the wife, the wife, they have this little running gag where the kid goes, oh my gosh, I always wanted one of these. And Ricky goes, so did I. So did I. And then he gives, they give the pen to the. The dad. dad. And Edward goes, he says, oh, this is the coolest thing. I always wanted something like this. And Edward says, so did I. Yeah. And then they, the wife opens up the thing. And Edward thought it was a spice rack, but instead it was the negligee that Kate was supposed to get. Yeah, he to get. mixed up the gifts to go to Kate, and it's like a, it's like lingerie. And the wife goes, oh, my gosh, the beautiful negligee. Always wanted one of these. And her husband goes, so did I. Which is such a good joke. It was a good joke because honestly, it was a little bit sexy, but still appropriate for the family type of show that this is. Yeah. You know? And Edward goes somewhere, goes to Ricky somewhere in Ohio. Kate's opening up a spice rack. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and Ricky says, you really blew it, Santa. <laughs> um, also, the negligee, I should say, looks like a nightgown from like the 1930s. It's not. It's sheer, though. It's sheer, but a lot of those are. They had layers. Yeah. My point is, it's not like a Fredericks of Hollywood right. 1980s. It's not like, yeah, it's like, not like. Bustier. Yeah. yeah, it's not that kind of thing. Um, so they all have gifts. And then the dad comes up to Edward and goes, my first instinct was to throw you out of here. What? 
Why? Get Megan, the heck out of here, Santa. Megan, if you come home from church on Christmas Eve and some stranger is in your cave <laughs> dressed as Santa. But he's he's putting presents. It's a reverse the it's a reverse yeah, theft. But one of the other things I liked about this is it was mentioned earlier too when we first see the family yeah. in the cave is the dad doesn't want charity. Yeah, he doesn't want handouts. It's, he's not looking for handouts. He doesn't want and so that's kind of why he's just like, you know, I appreciate it and thank you, but I'll pay you back for this stuff. Because I think that this is the case with a lot of people. You fall on hard times. Right. But you don't think of yourself as the type of person who's going to take advantage of the system and be a taker. You want to just get back on your feet. Right. And the thing is, honestly, sometimes take some chair. Take the chair. That's what it's for. Yeah. Like, take it if you need it. That's what it's for. Take the help. And Edward says... Uh, Oh, you're out of a job. Well, that's good to know because I could use a guy like you at my... I own a toy factory. Um, what do you do again? Yeah. <laughs> and the guy was a foreman at the steel plant. So he says, if you see one of the men playing with a toy, what would you... Do? And they're on the job and they're yeah. on a assembly line. What do you do? And the dad says, tell me to wait till break time. Which for Edward is the perfect answer. Right. Because he doesn't want you telling them not to play. To play with the toys, right. But just wait until it's not yeah. work and then you can play. Um, so Ricky and his dad have an aside. Ricky says, the pen was supposed to be for you. Yeah, we know, Ricky. And, the dad, and Edward says, the doom buggy was supposed to be for you. And then they go, I think it worked out for the best. Yeah. This is the best Christmas ever. And then Yalians goes, aww. Then the credits roll. Then we stop the credits. And the mom... And the mom starts to sing Silent Night. I can't deal with it. I can't deal with it. I hate it when... Silent no. Night. It's not that I don't like that song, because I do like that song. I just think that it's used in a cheesy way in movies and TV shows like this. Like, And it's also... It's, it's not the meaning of the song, which annoys me. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah. I, I also think, like, I don't know, maybe invite him back to your house where it's warmer to sleep. Like, you're going to let him sleep in this cave with, with their car. I know you did a lot for them, but I'm just saying, like, it is cold and barren in this cave. Yes. But quiet. So how did people receive, not obviously just the Christmas special, but how did people receive well, the show? as we mentioned before, they went on for five seasons, right? Uh-huh. So it was pretty well. There's 116 episodes, so it was pretty well received as far as that goes. We mentioned, too, Ricky Schroeder got a lot of publicity. He yeah, was in magazines, tons. kids, teens, stuff, right, for this. He was because, like a preteen. Yeah, like, he, was, he also started the show around 10 or 11 uh-huh. and then ended it, like, in his teens. Right. Right? Um... But there was a number of awards um, that were that this show got. Did he win a Young Acting? Well, I was going to go through. In oh, 1986, sorry. they won a Primetime Emmy for Outstanding Lighting Direction. Huh, okay. In 1987, they got a Young Artist Award nominee. Oh, okay. For nice. Alfonso Ribeiro. Oh, interesting. Um, then in 1986, they got Young Artist Award Best Young Actress. Mm-hmm. Um guest star so one of the guests got a, a okay. award nominee um alfonso ribeiro was nominated again for young artist interesting um so there was quite a bit of that uh corky pigeon i don't that sounds like a band was also <laughs> got a young artist award won it for 1985 okay um uh so there was quite a bit of awards connected with that. A lot of guest stars mm-hmm. that got awards as well, um, or nominated at least. Um, so Ricky Schroeder won a Young Artist Award in 1984. Mm. Jason Bateman was nominated for one. Okay. Um, so that was inter- So that was good as well. Um, Young Artist Award for Best New Family Television Series mm. in 1983. Um, as well as Ricky Schroeder won another Young Artist Award um, in, in 1983 as well. And Jason Bateman was again nominated. Okay. So they so... over, I mean, they so they really racked up some awards, some nominations um, that all went to them um, for, for the Emmys and Young Artist Awards. So it really was received fairly well. Um, interestingly enough, and I don't know if it's because of the age of the show, 
but there's not enough reviews on Rotten Tomatoes to have a score. Probably because the age, but also like originally we were going to watch the Thanksgiving. It's not episodes. streaming except for YouTube. It was right? on. It was on Tubi for a bit, and then it wasn't, and then it was like on. Like, it's moved around. And I don't, you know, I don't know if that's because of the weird syndication bit. But initially it was an NBC show, and it's not on Peacock. And let me tell you, I looked through Peacock's shows. Yeah? I looked through Peacock's shows today, and almost any show you could ever think of, including stinkers that were only on for, like, half a season, are on Peacock. So I'm not sure what the deal is. It could be, a lot of times it's stuff like music, you know? Right. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. But, yeah, the Young Artist Awards. And I also, for Riggy Schroeder, um, besides winning it for this show in 1982 and 83, he also had a Golden Globe for New Star of the Year. For, yes. For and the Champ, which I guess is a movie that he was in. Interesting. Well, we yeah. said that was, yeah, that was earlier, before Silver Spurs, right? Right, before yes. that. But I'm just saying, you know, that's, again, one of the reasons that people had their eye on him. Yes. Um, and he was also nominated for The Last Flight of Noah's Ark for something, um, for Young Actor Awards. Right. Little Lord Fauntleroy, like I said. He was also, though, nominated for the Stinker Awards. I don't know what those... So... I think it's like the Raspberries. So what did you think of Silver Spoons? I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Um, it is kind of a cheesy sitcom yeah but and and some of the lines were kind of corny i hate things with forced audience laughter you know what i'm saying right um but having said that i really enjoyed it a lot more than i thought i would okay and i if we if you said next like you know when we do season two of our podcast or season three if you were like let's revisit silver spoons and just watch a couple regular episodes i would look forward to it okay so what are you rating it i think i'm gonna go with an eight okay yeah i'm at an eight on this okay i I liked a lot more than i thought i would so So they had i I like having a little the christmas thing hit me so this is what i liked i mentioned a few of these before i really like the cast I think they had great chemistry. I think the writing was pretty well done. Mm-hmm. I think it was funny. You didn't like the forced laugh tracks, but I thought that there was... I don't think they were necessary. I think there was natural humor to the show. Yeah, there was. Um, which I liked a lot, too, um, in the premise. What I really liked about this being, this is Ricky's first Christmas, right? Yeah. And the whole show premise is about him being new to being rich. Yes. Instead of going with just... This huge, lavish, showering gifts on him with all this money Which that they, they could have done. They could have done that. And it would have made sense with the show. Mm-hmm. Instead, they switch it and it's all about him and his dad giving to a family in need. And, and, and I really like that. We know it goes along with their characters because earlier in the show, his dad's bringing toys to the children's hospital. Mm-hmm. And so you see that his dad, while being kind of a ch- child and a playboy, has a really good heart. And that has been continued in Ricky. Yeah, and also that, you know, in terms of secular stuff for Christmas, the message of being kind to others... Mm-hmm. And, you know, basically being like Jesus would be, there is no hesitation on the part of either of these people. There is no judgment even from the kid. And what did we see, again, to compare it to Small Wonder, which we both hated, what did we see in Small Wonder? There was a kid who was going on a trip, Mm -hmm. right, for Thanksgiving. And then one of the main character kids tries to scam his way into the trip. Yeah, and has no compassion for this kid who comes from this who's broken home. Kid. And who's yep. a latchkey Yeah. And here, it's the complete opposite. You have two people who were talking in the Reagan era. There are a lot of shows like this about a lot of movies, too, yeah. about the disparities between the wealthy and the poor because some of those gaps were becoming more apparent. Um, you know, all of the industry types of industry were changing, all of that, but there's no judgment at all. And it, it's very clear that Edward respects the fact that this guy doesn't want it to be a handout yeah. and even says to him, which we forgot to mention, but even says to him, we'll take out your first paycheck. Yeah. Right. Then 
and probably not because that pen's probably expensive. But even if he took 20 bucks just to make it look right. So the thing is that it's not just about it's not just about giving and caring and being compassionate. It's also about understanding and having empathy for people when they're in those kind of situations. Yeah. And knowing too that this this really can kind of this type of thing could happen to anybody. Right. That you lose your job, that then you are struggling, you know, maybe not that you maybe not the part where you're living in a really fake looking cave but but the right. rest of it right so i yeah i really did appreciate that and and learning the lesson so because of all of that i'm also going to give it an eight nice all right so yeah. eight, eight spoons eight let's try that again eight, eight spoons, spoons out, out of ten, ten. Eight out of ten spoons for silver spoons. Excellent. Two on the nose. We should have done trade. And three and three quarters <laughs> for ring pops. Yeah. But at least we didn't cut anything apart like last That's time. That's true. We were like at half a Wookiee. And half a Wookiee. That Wookiee got put out of its misery though. I have to tell you too that this was so enjoyable after we had to sit through that Star Wars thing. Oh my gosh. It was nice to have a good show. It really... To just cleanse my brain. Yeah, it really... Like a chaser of some sort. It really, really was. And coming up next, we don't have What is Steve Willing to Watch? Because we've got our Christmas movie. Scrooge. Scrooged. And super looking forward to that. And then also, uh, as we said before, we're going to have my brother on. We're going to play a game for our 50th. For the 50th, which is going to wrap up season one. It's going to end season one with a bang. We look forward to it. All right. Until next time. I'm Megan. And I'm Steve. Thanks, everybody. (laughs) 